out uh, here today. Let's go to the book of Jeremiah. Uh, we will start in chapter 42 this morning, Jeremiah chapter 42. We started uh, Jeremiah chapter 42 last week, and, and really Jeremiah 42 and on into chapter 43, these two chapters go together. And uh, what, we, what we really discern through these chapters um, uh, is the wickedness of man's heart. Man is deceitful and desperately wicked. The heart of man, as Jeremiah 17, verse number 9, expresses to us. And, and you'll see that man is bent towards evil. He's bent towards a path of wickedness. And apart from uh, the Lord and His work in our heart, uh, there really is... Uh, is no hope and uh, just the importance of the surrender to Jesus and to the will of the Lord for our lives. And so Jeremiah 42, we, we started, if you'll go back, just review so you understand kind of the background. In chapter 42, there's a small remnant that has been left behind in the land of Judah. Uh, this remnant uh, was given the leadership of Gedaliah by Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Gedaliah has been slain. And now this remnant uh, left behind, uh, their hearts are filled with fear, and they're seeking, it appears, some direction, though we find their minds already made. You'll see that here this morning. Uh, so verse number 2, Jeremiah 42, let's just read, let's bring us up to, to date to where we are at this point. And uh, this remnant, they came to Jeremiah, they said to Jeremiah the prophet, Let we beseech thee our supplication be accepted before thee, and pray for us unto the Lord thy God, even for all this remnant. For we are left but a few of many as thine eyes do behold us. And they're asking Jeremiah, pray that the Lord thy God may show us the way wherein we may walk and the thing that we may do. And it appears genuine on the surface, but in reality, uh, their minds have already determined their direction. Uh, verse number four, Jeremiah agreed to pray for them. Jeremiah the prophet said unto them, I have heard you. Now behold, I will pray unto the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall come to pass that whatsoever thing the Lord shall answer you, I will declare it unto you. I will keep nothing back from you. And Jeremiah has been the faithful prophet of God delivering uh, the word of God. Now they agreed in verses five and six. Bay. They said whatever God directs us, that's what we will do. And uh, they did not discern or even know their own uh, rebellion within their hearts. And, uh, but God gave, after seven days, his clear word to Jeremiah, or after ten days, excuse me, his clear word to Jeremiah. And you'll see this in verse number 10 as he delivers this message to them. He says, if you will still abide in this land, then will I build you, not pull you down. I will plant you, not pluck you up. For I repent me of the evil that I've done unto you. And, and really that, that statement there is, is God is saying the, the, the fullness of my judgment has come. And now God is going to uh, show mercy upon them as they would be willing to obey his voice. And he says, be not afraid of the king of Babylon. And this was a part of their, their reasoning here. This remnant left behind, the puppet king, Gedaliah, has been slain. Uh, their hearts are filled with fear, afraid they're going to have to deal with much of the same that the land of Judah has already experienced. He said, Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord, for I am with you to save you, to deliver you from his hand. And I will show mercies unto you, that he may have mercy upon you, and cause you to return to your own land. And so God uh, promises them that if they would stay in Judah... If they would obey him, there would be many blessings. But in the next verses, verses 13 through 16, 
He says if you go to Egypt, it's going to be rebellion. It would be disobedience. And if you disobey, there would be severe consequences. And there's just a principle that is, is set forth here. Uh, never should you escape an uncomfortable situation by getting out of the will of God. Uh, you never solve a problem by following your own will and rejecting the will of God. And never should you allow fear to turn you away from God or away from God's will and God's plan. And, and you can see illustrations of this throughout the Word of God. We find, uh, for example, the first generation of the children of Israel. They saw the giants of the land. God told them to go into the land, that he would conquer the giants. But they feared the giants more than they feared God. And they rebelled and turned away from the will of God. And, of course, there was uh, then a period of 40 years uh, that would be in the wilderness. Now, this uh, particular group of, of Judah... Uh, they are fearful of, of uh, Babylon, they're fearful of Nebuchadnezzar, and they allow that fear to take them out of the will of God, and that's always uh, a dangerous uh, thing uh, to follow. Now, I want to pick up here uh, this morning, um, and uh, verse number 19, we, we didn't, uh, we kind of had to stop here because of time, and there's a little principle here uh, at the end of this chapter that leads us then into chapter number 43. Now, Jeremiah concludes his message to this remnant uh, with a strong warning, and he gives a, really a final plea from God. And uh, in verse number 19, uh, he says, The Lord has said concerning you, O ye remnant of Judah, go ye not into Egypt, know certainly that I have admonished you this day. Now, basically, uh, uh, Jeremiah, by this point, knows what they're going to do. And so he's washing his hands clean. He's delivered to them the word of God. And now he's left that choice into their hands. And uh, I believe, and there's uh, really a, a principle here, uh, we cannot turn to Christ on behalf of anyone. Our job is to deliver the message of God. Our job is to point the way to heaven, that's Jesus Christ, and a rejection of Jesus Christ is the path to hell. Uh, I wish that we could make that choice for everyone. You'll find here in the Word of God that there are the choices. I said before you, God said a blessing and a cursing. God said a blessing if you obey the voice of the Lord your God, a cursing if you disobey the, the voice of the Lord. Now, Jeremiah has done his job, and he's like the watchman upon the wall. And uh, this is what God had expressed to Ezekiel. God said, Ezekiel, uh, you're to go to this people and you're to give my word to this people. And if you give my word to this people, then they reject that word. The, the fault is not with you, basically. That's to sum up what God said to Ezekiel. The fault is with them. Uh, but he says, Ezekiel, if you are not faithful to deliver the word, then blood is upon your hands. And I would think about that uh, in, as light, in light of our witness. Um, our job is to deliver the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our job is to uh, express uh, to a lost and dying world that Jesus is the door, he's the way, and that all that will repent and turn in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, can be gloriously saved. And uh, when we give that message, then uh, we have no power or ability to make that choice on behalf of another. And each and every one uh, has to do with Jesus uh, uh, in, in their own heart, in their own way. Uh, in, other, in other words, parents can't be safe for their children. 
uh, or um, a pastor can't be saved for the people, or uh, we can go on, the soul winner can't be saved on behalf of the, of the lost. The message is to be delivered. And here Jeremiah is faithful, and so he says, No, certainly that I have admonished you this day. And he's now clean, he's pure in the sense that he has obeyed God, he's given the message that God has uh, placed upon his heart. Jeremiah knew their heart, and I want you to notice the statement, and there's something here that I think is very, very important. He says in verse number 20, he said, For you dissembled in your hearts. You dissembled in your hearts. Now, to dissemble means to, to vacillate, to reel, to stray, to be double-minded. And so Jeremiah points this out to them. You have dissembled. You've been double-minded in your heart. They came to Jeremiah under a false pretense. Remember they said to Jeremiah uh, back in the early part of chapter 42, Jeremiah, you pray to God for us, get a direction for, for God, from, uh, from God for us, and whatever God tells us we will do. Uh, and so they had this false pretense, and uh, their minds already decided no intention of staying in the land. And, and it's kind of, kind of like this. I've had this happen. Uh, uh, Pastor, pray for us. We're going to do this. Okay? The mind's already made. And, uh, and that's kind of what uh, is taking place here in this passage of Scripture and uh, with that, uh, that false pretense. Notice uh, the statement again as you follow this in verse number 20. He said, You dissembled in your hearts when you sent, unto me, uh, or sent me unto the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us unto the Lord our God, according to all that the Lord our God shall say. So declare unto us, and we will do it. Now they look to Jeremiah for a stamp of approval, basically upon their disobedience. Uh, they wanted to go into Egypt. They were fearful of Babylon. They were fearful of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, they deceived themselves. They blinded uh, themselves, and they were blinded in their own rebellion. Their heart was deceitful. It was desperately wicked. Uh, they were given to strong delusion as they made the statement. And that's why Jeremiah expresses, you've dissembled in your heart. And he called out their rebellion in verse number 21. He says, now I have this day declared it to you, but you, would not, uh, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God here in Jeremiah 42, 21, nor anything for which he has sent me unto you. And so he called out their rebellion, and then he gives them, again, this very strong warning that the consequence would be severe. He says, Now therefore know certainly that ye shall die by the sword. Now they're leaving uh, the land of Canaan. They're leaving the promised land. They're leaving Judah. Uh, out of fear for Nebuchadnezzar, and they're going into Egypt in order to escape what they thought was Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he says, Now therefore know certainly that you shall die by the sword, by the famine, by the pestilence, in the place whither you desire to go and to so sojourn. And so they thought by leaving Judah they would escape uh, God's judgment, uh, and God tells them it would be just the opposite. In fact, God said, If you stay... I'll protect you. If you'll stay, I will not allow uh, Nebuchadnezzar to come against you. If you go, there will be the consequences that will take place as a result of going. And, you know, uh, if I can just express uh, unto us here, and again, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, and uh, never follow, you, know, you hear all the time, follow your heart. You ever hear that statement? Just follow your heart. That's one of the most dangerous things that you can do. Uh, don't, don't follow your heart. What do you follow? You follow the Word of God. You follow the will of God. 
Uh, you obey God and God and his word. And when you follow God and his word. See, when you follow your heart, you'll let fear direct your path. When you follow your heart, you'll let emotions direct your path. When you follow your heart, uh, you're going to end up uh, just as did the children of Israel. And we pointed out last week, and so I'll just briefly mention this. Uh, but Egypt in the Bible is always a picture of the world. And often when we follow our heart, it leads us right into the world. And uh, when you end up in the world, uh, there is the destruction that comes with the path of the world. And the Bible tells us very clearly, if we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's a very clear a statement unto us. You cannot serve both God and the world. No man can serve two masters. And so you have to... Uh, decide, will you serve the Lord? Will you serve the world? There's no in-between. And uh, in James chapter 4, verse number 4, James warned you adulterous and adulteresses, know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. He says, whosoever therefore will be the friend of the world is the enemy of God. And so you'll see this principle set forth clearly uh, throughout the Word of God. In the book of Proverbs, uh, uh, the father is warning his son over and over the difference between the wise son and the foolish son. And you'll find that the wise son submits to his authority. The wise son will submit to the Word of God. The foolish son will follow his heart and follow his own path and go astray in that path. And so that uh, choice, again, is set forth very clearly in the book of, of Proverbs. Now, let's move on into chapter 43 this morning of Jeremiah. This chapter uh, dovetails, chapter 42. They fit together. And we see here in the first seven verses the, the disobedience of the people. Uh, you'll notice here in, in verse number one uh, and two, they, they accused Jeremiah of speaking falsely. And it came to pass that when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking unto all the, peop or, uh, unto all the people all the words of the Lord their God, uh, for which the Lord their God had sent him to them, even all these words, then spake Azariah the son of Hoshiah, and Johanan the son of Kareah, and all the proud men, saying unto Jeremiah, Thou speakest falsely. And the Lord our God hath not sent thee to say, Go not into Egypt to sojourn there." And so remember back in 42, it seemed so genuine. Uh, they said, Jeremiah, pray to God for us. Whatever God tells you, that's what we'll do. But now they accuse Jeremiah, you did not give us the word of God. You spoke falsely. Uh, remember that request again. And uh, the heart is so deceitful, desperately wicked. You remember the commitment. Uh, but notice this statement here in verse number 2. And there is a problem here that all of us have to deal with. Then spake Azariah the son of Hoshiah and Johanan the son of Korea. But notice this statement, all the proud men. You see, pride is the root of rebellion. And it was pride that caused the fall of Lucifer. Isaiah 14, Lucifer said, I will be as God. And you can go to Isaiah 14 five times. Uh, Satan uh, says, I will exalt myself to the throne of God. I, 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 pride. Uh, pride is always the root of rebellion. At the heart of rebellion is pride. Uh, you go back to Satan's temptation upon Eve. And at the heart of that deceit and temptation 
was that root of pride. Uh, Satan says, uh, God knows in the day you eat there, you shall be as God, knowing uh, uh, good and evil. And uh, there was pride that was at the root of that, and pride leads us down a wrong path. And this is why God over and over uh, emphasizes to us, humble yourselves therefore in the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care upon him. Uh, God exalts the humble, but he abases the proud. You'll see this principle over and over uh, through God's word. And so God points this out. All these proud men uh, have determined, they conspired now, they falsely accused Jeremiah. Uh, now, let me, let me also just express, their problem is not with Jeremiah. Their problem is with God. See, it's a rebellion against God. It's not a rebellion against Jeremiah, but it's a rebellion against God. And that's their problem. It's a heart issue against the Lord. And in verse number three, uh, so, but Baruch, the son of Neriah, this is just a foolish claim here. Baruch is the secretary of uh, Jeremiah, utterly ridiculous here. He says, Baruch, the son of Neriah, said at the on against us for deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans that they might put us to death and carry us away captives into Babylon. So their own reasoning here, uh, they conspired or they accused Jeremiah of conspiring with Baruch for their destruction. And again, Baruch was nothing more than the secretary. He's the one that is penning the words on behalf of Jeremiah. And uh, so they're going to look for any excuse that they can find. And, you know, you need to be careful when people are in rebellion against God. They're going to make all kinds of charges. And they will charge the prophets of God, the preachers of God. They'll charge the soul winner. Uh, they'll, and, and so when somebody is in a state of rebellion, uh, you need to be careful about the words that they give and the charges they make and uh, can be uh, very dangerous. I've seen, I've seen people in rebellion uh, really destroy the reputation of God's good servants. And uh, I would just tell you, be careful what you listen to on the news media. And there is a, a bias against Christianity today. There's a bias against the Lord today. There's a bias against righteousness today and a bias against those that want to do right. And when people are in a state of rebellion, uh, they will make all kinds of false charges. If they can bring down somebody that's doing righteously, it gives them an excuse uh, for their path of sin. So I'll just uh, throw, that was free, just uh, throw that in for you. Now, they disobeyed here. They went to Egypt as a result of their rebellion. Verse 4, so Johanan, the son of Korea, all the captains of the forces, all the people obeyed not the voice of the Lord to dwell in the land of Judah. They united in their disobedience. And uh, notice here the statement, all the captains, all the people obeyed not the voice of the Lord. And usually you can find when you follow the path of God, you're going to be in the minority. And it's the crowd that uh, generally is going against the Lord. It's going to be the straight and narrow road uh, when you do that which is honoring to the Lord so often. In verse number 5, uh, Johanan the son of Korea and all the captains of the forces took all the remnant of Judah that were returned from all nations, whether they had been driven to dwell in the land uh, of Judah. And uh, Johanan here becomes their self-proclaimed uh, leader. He uh, has no spiritual discernment. He leads the people astray. Uh, you can write beside this if you want Isaiah 9 verse 16. And it says, the leaders of the people caused them to err. 
and they that are led of them are destroyed. And when leaders are wicked, those under that leadership bear the consequences. And uh, we are bearing consequences in our nation today uh, with leadership that contrary to the things of God. And uh, verse number 6, even men and women and children and the king's daughters and every person that Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had left with Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan. But notice this here, and Jeremiah the prophet and Baruch the son of Neriah. So here's Jeremiah, this man of God, uh, and Baruch his secretary, and now they, Jeremiah's given warning, but they now are taken into Egypt with those that uh, have rebelled against the word of God. And it says, So they came into the land of Egypt, for they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. Thus they came, or came they even to Tapanus. And uh, we'll see in just a moment a bit more about that. But they fled Egypt for protection, and they fled in disobedience to God. And it was very foolish to think that they could better themselves by doing the opposite of God's will. Uh, God's will is the place of protection. God's will for your life is your umbrella. And when you're in God's will, God's will is for you an umbrella. But when you get out of the will of God... Uh, it's like leaving your umbrella. How many times have I seen in marriages a difficulty in marriage and individuals leave an umbrella seeking a better path? Or how many times do young people think, uh, like the prodigal son, I know better than my dad. Dad, give me the substance that belongs to me. And they take that substance and he left his umbrella a protection and he went out into the world and it's out there in the world that he uh, fain would have filled his uh, belly with the husk the swine did eat and he makes his way to the prodigal or to the pig pen and uh, just uh, the destruction uh, leaving your umbrella uh, always has its consequences and that's the case here uh, for this remnant now that leaves the umbrella of God's will makes their way into Egypt seeking to escape the judgment of God when they only bring themselves into the judgment of God. Let me make an important statement here. The will of God for your life is always going to be tested and tried. Okay, the will of God for your life is not always, in the beginning, the easy path. Uh, the will of God may, uh, for a time, be costly, uh, the will of God uh, has a cost uh, of discipleship that goes with it. Uh, but you'll find, and I've said this many times, I do this all the time at the, in the Christian school, and I make the statement that right now, uh, what appears to you is the easy way, in this case going to Egypt, out of the will of God, will in the end become the difficult way. But what appears to you now the difficult way staying here in Judah because you're fearful of uh, Nebuchadnezzar to stay in the will of God, that appears difficult for you right now. But in the end, that will of God may appear difficult, may come with trials and testings, but the will of God in the end is always the path of blessing. And uh, that's the case here with the children of Israel. They took what they thought was the easy road that's going to lead to the difficult road. We'll see that. Uh, have the, we have here the, the next verses, the message of Jeremiah uh, to this remnant, to this people. In verse number 8, Then came the word of the Lord to Jeremiah in, uh, in Tampanese, uh, saying, And uh, what a blessing, though Jeremiah, uh, not by his own choice, is forced into the land of Egypt, God still speaks to him. He was forced into Egypt against his will. 
He's been faithful to God. He's been faithful um, uh, to obey God. He's been faithful to deliver God's word. And yet Jeremiah would suffer because of the pride, the foolishness, the rebellion of the people. And God was still faithful to Jeremiah. God continued to deliver to Jeremiah his word. And God gives here to Jeremiah a sign now for the people. In verse number 9, uh, take great stones, God says to Jeremiah, take great stones in thine hand and hide them in the clay in the brick kiln, which is in the entry of Pharaoh's house in Tapanes, and in the sight of the men of Judah. So here uh, God directs, uh, and it seems that Pharaoh's palace right here is in this, uh, in this city, and it seems this palace is in the process of being built, and God says you take some great stones and, and you uh, hide them in the clay of the brook kiln here in the midst of, of, these, uh, of, uh, of this city. And God says in verse number 10, Say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will send and take Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will set his throne upon these stones that I have hid, and he shall spread his royal pavilion over them. Now, they left Judah to escape Nebuchadnezzar. But God says that he would bring Nebuchadnezzar he said, and interesting, Nebuchadnezzar was this narcissistic leader, but God calls Nebuchadnezzar my servant. And why is that? Because he becomes the tool of God in the hand of God. You see, God uses the, the wicked as well as the, as the good. And he's using uh, Nebuchadnezzar as his servant here now to judge the remnant. And he's going to bring Nebuchadnezzar to this very place where Judah sought to escape. Now, let me read to you. Uh, a bit of history taken from Josephus and his book of Antiquities. And he says, on the fifth year after the overthrow of Jerusalem. So uh, this has just been a brief time after Jerusalem has been overthrown. It was only three months that Gedaliah was allowed to rule before he was slain. So now on the fifth year, so this is a very brief time span uh, from the time that Israel or Judah has made their way into Egypt, on the fifth year after the overthrow of Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar, leaving the siege of Tyre, over, uh, undertook his expedition to Egypt. And he goes on to tell uh, the fulfillment of this very prophecy of Jeremiah, that upon that place right there in Tapanes, right there where uh, Pharaoh had his, his home and his kingdom, uh, right there in that place where Judah had fled, right there to that place, Nebuchadnezzar uh, came in destruction against the land of Egypt. In verse number 11, And uh, when he cometh, he shall smite the land of Egypt, deliver such as for death to death, such as for captivity to captivity, such as for the sword to the sword. Uh, and so they're going to be overtaken. They thought they would escape, but no, they have not escaped in verses 12 and 13, God said, I will kindle a fire in the houses of the gods of Egypt. And let me just point out, Egypt had many gods. And uh, somebody said it was over 600 gods that were known in Egypt. Uh, so they had gods uh, for the Nile River and gods of this and gods of that and the plagues. You go back to the plagues. And the plagues were all judgment upon Egyptian gods, if you, if you look back in the background of Egypt. But multitudes of gods. And so uh, just as God had judged Judah, God is going to judge uh, the idolatry in the land of Egypt. God always judges and always deals with idolatry. 
And so God said, I will kindle a fire in the houses of the gods of Egypt, and he shall burn them and carry them away captives, and he shall array himself with the land of Egypt as a shepherd putteth on his garments, and he shall go forth from thence in peace. And he shall break also the images of Beth Shemesh, and that is in the land of Egypt, and the houses of the gods of the Egyptians shall he burn with fire. God hates idolatry. He always judges idolatry, always deals with idolatry, and and uh, Egypt was known for its multitudes of gods. Now, again, according to Josephus, Nebuchadnezzar conquered Egypt. And here is something that is very uh, interesting. Recent archaeological diggings and studies uh, refer to Nebuchadnezzar's invasion of Egypt. And some of you may remember we, we had Ezra. He was going to be our tour guide for uh, for the land of, of Israel when we took that journey to Israel. And I remember him making this statement many times when my wife and I were in Israel and we were going through various uh, places, but he made this statement right here at Valley Bible Baptist Church. He, he said, the more we dig out of the ground, the more it proves the Bible to be true. And uh, you'll find that the Bible is true. It's true in its history. Uh, it's true in its morality. It's true in its science. It's true in its prophecy. It's true in every aspect, and it's true. And as a result of, there's no fear as people are digging in Israel. Uh, as God's children, we have absolutely no fear that they're going to find something that's going to contradict the Bible. In fact, it's just the opposite. Uh, over and over, the Bible has been proven to be the Word of God. And this separates the Bible from every other book that has ever been penned. Is, uh, this is God's Word. This is not man's Word. This is divinely inspired. And it's truth without the mixture of error. It's pure in all of its aspects. And we can trust the Word of God. So when they dig out of the ruins in... Um, uh, the Dead Sea, they find the Dead Sea Scrolls, and in the Dead Sea Scrolls, they find a copy of the book of Isaiah. And as they take the copy of the book of Isaiah, some of you may remember Dr. Jewel Smith that we had here many, many years ago. He's with the Lord now, had the largest collection of Bibles and just a multi-million dollar collection of Bibles. And we had the privilege of having eight tables in our old auditorium across, and and uh, he took uh, those uh, uh, those books that he had a portion of the Dead Sea Scroll and he says you know uh, people say that uh, we, we, uh, uh, we don't have today the word of God and he said people they, they say that because they say uh, that it's been through many translators and many translations and he held up the King James Bible and he says I can show you right here in the King James Bible going back all the way to the Dead Sea Scrolls that what we have here is exactly what we found there. And uh, we have the word of God because God promised that he would preserve his word from this generation and forever. And so what we find in, in the archaeological diggings in the land of Egypt is that evidence of Nebuchadnezzar coming against Egypt just as God said they would come against Egypt in fulfilling the prophecy of Jeremiah and bringing destruction in exactly what God said would happen to this remnant when they left the will of God is exactly what took place. Let me just express uh, a thought here just in closing. You can choose to sin. You can choose to leave the will of God. But you can't choose what the consequences of that sin will be. And that sin will always have its consequences when you get away from God. It will always bring destruction 
with it. Uh, I have heard people say, you know, and, and we live here in a, a drug-infested valley. And I've done so many um, funerals for overdoses. It's just heartbreaking to see the families. But I have heard people make this statement. Yes, I've seen what has happened to others, but I can do drugs and get by with it. Or I can do it just once or twice, and it's not going to have consequences for me. And then I've seen the results on the other end. I remember doing a funeral that I heard those very words stated. Now, you can't choose the consequences. You get out of the will of God, the consequences will always, always follow. And so I just leave you with that thought, and, and uh, yet the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Uh, your heart don't ever follow the heart. Uh, get into the Word of God and obey the will of God. Obey the Word of God. That's the path to God's blessing. Let's uh, bow our heads. We'll go to the Lord. Father, thank you. Uh, today.